Hey, brewery lovers, welcome to another episode of The Brew Daddies. Richard here, and if I sound a little sexier than usual, it's because I got a little tickle in my throat, a little bit of a cough going on, but, uh... Sexier is really not how I would have put it. <laughs> well, uh, welcome, and thank you for joining us today, Adam. I'm glad you could make it to this episode. Hey, I'm glad I could be here, especially for this episode. Today, we're both really, really excited about uh, this episode. We're in Fairfax, Virginia, but before we get into that, really quickly, I got a little business to discuss with you listeners Uh, It's 2019. It's a new year. A lot of interesting and exciting things happening in 2019. One of which is I am now the publisher of DCBeer.com. Yay. For those of you who are familiar, DCBeer.com has been around for 10 years now. Sort of a hub for everything going on in the craft beer scene in the DC metro area. Bill DeBon and the folks over there have done a great job with DC Beer for, for years now. Uh, but the website's a little dated, and it's not mobile responsive. So uh, I'm stepping in to help get the website modernized, make it work better for you, the consumer and brewer and and retailer of craft beer in the area. But in order to make sure we do that right, that we serve the community best, uh, we put out a survey to ask what dcbeer.com can do to best serve the community. So I'm putting a link to the survey in the show notes, and uh, would really appreciate it if you take a minute, if you haven't already, go to the survey. It only takes five or six minutes to answer the questions, uh, and give us your thoughts on how DC Beer can help the DC craft beer community through the kinds of things we'll be doing. Okay, business is done. Now we get to introduce our guest for this episode, a legend in the brewing community, Uh, CEO and executive brewer at Mad Fox Brewing Company in Fairfax, Virginia, multiple award winner, Bill Madden. Bill, thank you so much for joining us on the Brew Daddies today. We really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So uh, we're at Mad Fox. This is a gorgeous gastro pub. I think the way you guys describe it, you're a gastro pub. It's a beautiful Mm -hmm. facility. Your tanks are fantastic. You guys have been around for almost 10 years now. Um, so how was how was 2018? Like well, we're in a new year. How was 2018 for Mad Fox? 2018 was a tough year for us, I'd say. Um, started off well, um, but uh, for us locally, we had uh, uh, four restaurants open within the little city. Wow! Two breweries, and just more competition, more uh, getting used to the new what is out in Falls Church. Right. And that's the same thing for all of uh, the brewing industry. We're all just seeing so much competition out there. And what's the new thing? What's the new whatever you need to do to keep yourself um, out there and, and in everybody's mindset, too? Yep. Yep. So do you guys have any interesting things planned for 2019? Anything oh, 2019. Exciting? Yeah, we've got a lot of interesting events coming up, um, for sure. We've got our Scottish Sessions music coming up on, uh, uh, that's uh, January 27th. January 25th, we've got our Robbie Burns Tribute Night. Very big Scottish weekend, I can say. And of course, uh, February 23rd and 24th is our Barley Wine Festival. I'm right now working on curating a list of at least 32 to 38 barley wines that'll be on tap here throughout the weekend. And that's always a, that's a this'll be our ninth year of a Barley Wine Festival. Oh, wow. that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a big barley wine. I discovered barley wine in San Francisco in like 92, 93 at this place called Tornado. 
I don't know if you've ever been there or familiar with it. I used to live in San Francisco, so I know the original. The original, the one on on Haight? Yeah. At, at Fillmore? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I used. I used to live at Haight and Fillmore above the Walgreens. Oh, okay. <laughs> I used to live uh Potrero Hill. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I used to spend hours. That's that's where I truly discovered craft beer and the kinds of things. There's this little place called Tornado, and they used to have a barley wine festival. We probably crossed paths. That we very I likely lived, did. I, I left there in 95. I went to UC Davis, graduated in 95, so... Well, yeah, I was there from 93 to 97, so we, we probably definitely mm-hmm. crossed breaths. That's fantastic. All right, but that actually brings up something I wanted to talk about. Uh, we were talking earlier about most of the folks that Adam and I speak to, uh, most of the brewers are mid to late 20s, uh, started out as home brewers, got really excited, decided this is something that they want, really, really wanted to do. You've been doing this a lot, lot long. Yeah, <laughs> one of those uh, early... Trailblazers. Did you start as a home brewer back then and then go to UC Davis to, to learn the craft? Yeah, there was a homebrew shop that opened in uh, the avenues in San Francisco. And this would probably be about 1990. And wow. a buddy of mine who uh, lived in, uh, in the Mission District and I got together and said, we're just going to go down and look. We're not going to spend anything. <laughs> right. 100 bucks on my credit card, 100 bucks on his, and we were <laughs> brewing a, a batch of steam beer that night. Wow. And really good success with it. There was a homebrew competition at, at the San Francisco Brewing Company in um, oh, the Italian district there, North Beach. North Beach, yeah. Yeah. And we took, I don't know, first or second place with our style. <laughs> we're like, man, we're great. <laughs> we were serving our beer at, at uh, Grateful Dead shows at the time at Oakland Coliseum. And I got the bug. Yeah. And then the company I was working for was going through a bit of a merger, and I was one of the sales reps that survived. I was wearing a suit in those days. And they were merging information on customer base and couldn't get it together for like six months. So I just homebrewed my rear end off. Wow. And I had all this extra homebrew that I would throw parties, and my friends would say, man, your beer is really good. You should, you should check out UC Davis. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You make a living at this? Yeah. And so I checked it out, took some coursework at Cal Berkeley, and then applied for Davis, uh, the Master Brewers program, and got accepted in 1994 and graduated in 1995 and was hired by Capital City Brewing Company before I even graduated. Wow. So I started with them back in 1995. So you went straight out of UC Davis, California, mm-hmm. Bay Area, all the way across the country and right. came to D.C. and started right. working for Capital City. That's fantastic. I mean, kind of. <laughs> I miss the West Coast. I'm originally born on the East Coast, so oh, okay. it, this is familiar for me. Right. But uh, I had a great five, six years I lived out there. And, you know, I'm back here on the East with yeah. where my family is. Yeah, yeah. East is where it's at. I'm from the East Coast. <laughs> well. But, uh, I moved down to this area in 91. So down from where? Boston. Boston. I'm Long Island myself. Okay. Well, San Francisco in those days was, was a great place. <laughs> oh, it was great. It was a lot less expensive. <laughs> a lot too. less expensive. I could like, I tell people that I had, I had a one-bedroom apartment at Hayden Fillmore, and they're like, you, what? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so which software company did you <laughs> right, find? Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get, back to the, let's get back to the topic at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little bit about how things were in 2018, what you're looking forward to in 2019. What do you think, I mean, in terms of the, the brewing industry, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many new breweries out there every year. Where do you think that's heading? Um, it's going to be interesting. I think 
I don't know if we've re- reached the saturation point. You know, there was uh, an article that just came out recently saying, and I forget wh- where it came from, but Virginia was the sixth largest in terms of growth and number per capita of breweries. Um, when we opened in 2010, there were only 40 breweries in Virginia. And I knew every head brewer, assistant brewer, their owner, and I don't know as many folks now. There's close to 300. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see some cracks in the industry. Uh, I think there's a lot of really great beer being made out there. I think there's a lot of real crappy beer being made out there. And we're going to see some consolidation and some folks close, unfortunately. Um, I think there's still a lot of breweries in planning. Um, so I'm not sure where the industry is going to go, but I think there are going to be a few people that are going to get hurt, unfortunately. And a few people who are going to be really successful. But the days of starting a regional brewery, they're gone. Yeah. Being local, yeah. and I think hyper-local is where everything's headed. You know, the days uh, pre-prohibition where every neighborhood had a brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember my grandfather talking about things like that. Um, that's where we're going back to. What the model is, it seems to be more, more geared towards the tap rooms. Production breweries, yes, if they're d- distributing locally, but it's more about the tap room and the tap room experience. Brew pubs, less and less we're going to see opening because a brew pub is really a very capital-intensive restaurant with a big brewery attached to it. Right. And the folks who are able to, to run those sort of businesses have to wear many, many different hats, uh, be a, either a really good brewer uh, with a very good support group that's running the restaurant or being a really good restaurant that has a really good brewer. And you have to have really great food and really good beer these days to survive. So very few brew pubs, are, I think, are we going to see opening in the, in the near future. Yeah, I think the hyper-local is definitely what we've seen yeah. in the conversations that are happening. Actually, for the last six months or so, every brewery we've spoken to has had that focus. We want to be a neighborhood, you know, like that's what they all say. Yep. Is we want to serve the yep. neighborhood. And and it's interesting, one of the places that, we, so we live in Tacoma Park, Maryland, right? Adam and I, and we're a hop, skip, and a jump from Silver Spring, mm-hmm. which by this time next month, we'll have three small, three breweries there. We yeah. get, you know, Denizens, which is a production brewery and does yep. a great job, and they well, make fantastic well. beer. Um, great people. Yeah, wonderful people. And great beer, too. And great beer. Fantastic beer. And then Astrolab just opened up, and they're, I don't know if you know those guys, but they are, they are tiny. They make great beer. I mean, really good beer. But their entire tap room space is half the size of the room we're sitting in right now. Mm. You know, um, and that's all they want to be. They, they're not talking about distribution. They're not talking about, you know, they might send a keg to a local, you know, restaurant for a for a special event or something. But people come in there to have that experience. And then we've got Silver Branch opening down by the Metro. Christian Lake. Yeah. yeah um, and and we've been joking about like, oh, wow, we're going to have. Three Stars, DC Brow, Hellbender, Denizens, Astrolab, and Silver Branch, all within two miles of our house soon. And even with that hyper-local, like that's hyper-hyper-local mm-hmm. for us. That's, that's six breweries to choose from, you know, a five-minute lift ride from our house. Right, right. You know, and that's, that's interesting. What happens and what I've seen happen in our market is there was a time when I used to pull customers from Reston or Vienna or even from Maryland Mm -hmm. or D.C. Mm -hmm. Not so much because there's that big river there. But Hey, crossing the river. Just saying that 
what I'm hearing a lot of folks saying is that they used to love coming to the, our place, but now X Brewery has opened up in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I love going there, but I just, making the drive from Reston or Centerville or wherever is too much for them, so they don't come as often. Right. So really I have to focus on our neighborhood and our little city of Falls Church mm-hmm. and, and living off of that. Well, you also distribute through the National S- Stadium. Sure. Right? And, and that's come about, you know, I'm a brew pub brewer, been a brew pub brewer for all 24 years that I've been brewing in the D.C. metropolitan market. And when I designed Mad Fox, we built an extra large brewery because I was going to follow the model of building another location that we could support in D.C., which we tried. Mm-hmm. We had a tap room in, in D.C., uh, which we unfortunately had to close in 2018. But now what we find ourselves being is what I call the production brew pub. So we're not a production brewery that just packages, puts it in bottles or puts it in kegs and ships it out. We're not just a brew pub that has a restaurant that serves only to our clientele. We're actually all of that wrapped up in one. So I've got a brew pub, a restaurant we're running, a brewery we're running, and then we're also running distribution into Northern Virginia, D.C. We've got a distributor in Northern Virginia, Richmond, D.C., and we're about to open up Maryland as well. Uh, so we've got a distributor that's picking up our first order on Monday. We just had an order go out to our Northern Virginia distributor uh, this week, and we've got another one going out next week to Richmond again. So, And these are this is distribution of, like, kegs to other bars kegs and Kegs to restaurants. other bars and restaurants and also to Nats Park, as you mentioned. Right, right. Um, we're, we're really proud to be a, a part of the Nats team. Yeah, and, we're uh, big fans. Our beer. So, yeah. Yeah. We're real happy that you're there. Yeah, yeah thank you. Me, me too, but I have the honor of paying all that money for my beer at, my, <laughs> at a Nats game. And we'll just leave that there. Right. Well, we're happy to pay all that money for your beer when we go yes, to Nats games. Um, Adam's a season ticket holder, and I join yep. him. I join him often for games. And another podcast I do is about baseball, so we go a lot, and and we're always thrilled. Like we know exactly where to go to get the Mad Fox. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, and it's it's great. Why don't we Why don't we change gears a little bit and talk about happier times <laughs> in beer? Sure. Let's talk about the beer itself because you make some amazing beer. You've won awards for. 20 years now, um, I guess longer, given awards you won in, in North Beach. In oh, well, let's, let's, let's go beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> but you craft award-winning beers. Uh, I'm drinking one right now. And one of, the, one of the great things about what you're doing here at Mad Fox is doing the cast condition real ales. Mm-hmm. And I know Adam, Adam is the better of the brewer of the two of us. He, you've been brewing, what, 20 years now? Uh, since 2001. Since two, okay, so say 18 years. Wow. Mm. Um, haven't won any medals, but <laughs> I haven't tried. I don't think my beer is that good, but I enjoy it. It's, it's just such a fun art. It is. It is. And it's always some, it's something you, you can continue to learn something about. I mean, whether it's a new hop, working with a new yeast strain, you know, the science of it, the art of it, there's so much that's involved. Yeah. And that's what I thoroughly enjoy about our craft. Yeah. Talk about some of the challenges of, in addition to having a restaurant and having everything else, doing that with cask condition ales. Cask condition is something we're committed to and have been for a long time. Uh, I will say, unfortunately, I'm seeing cask is less and less sought after mm-hmm. in this market. 
there was a time when we first opened, whether it was because we were so much more busier or because Cascale has fallen off. I think there's a little bit of both. Um, but we're not seeing as many firkins that we go through each week. We used to go through as many as 20 a week. Wow. Now we're going through maybe three a week. Mm. But keeping it fresh always, keeping them in good condition is, is the key to doing Cascale properly. Um, we've won awards actually at the Great British Beer Festival uh, on, on the, the American table or the American bar, I should say. Um, and so I'm, I'm thoroughly committed to cask, but doing cask proper is very different from what's being done in American cask ale now. Right. You know, proper, what you'd find and what we all used to s- seek when we went to the UK was a nice hand-pulled, clear, bright glass of bitter right, or a mild or something that just would explode in terms of flavor but tasted like beer. Unfortunately, the firkin suffers from the bung, and everybody likes to stick crap into firkins, unfortunately. And so now what we're seeing in the American craft beer industry with Cascale is things like cocoa pebbles, gummy bears, all sorts of things that are being added to casks or casks are being used as the experiment. And, And that's not a bad thing. You know, experimenting with hops in a saison and putting it on cask because you're experimenting and you're trying to find new flavors, that's a wonderful thing. That's innovation. But it's not true cask ale. And I'm finding less and less of the, well, not true, traditional cask ale. Yeah. That's what I should say. I miss the traditional cask ale. I think that's what we're missing more and more these days. And we're finding more of the cocoa pebbles cask ale. Yeah. Yeah, the gummy bear stuff. Yeah. Ooh, or somewhere or somebody was yeah. talking about doing, throwing in some candy into something. Um, or fruit purees seem to be yeah, very popular. Yes, yes, absolutely. Fig Newtons. Fig Newtons, yeah. That was when we... <laughs> now, we've added figs to porters and some other beers. Sure. And it worked. Yeah, no, it's, you know, good, it's good flavor one, comp. One of the beers that came out of Cascale program that we do our cask of the week, and it's usually something funky. Um, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody else at doing this, is we... Uh, dry hopped our, one of our saisons and called it the funk wow and it took on the citra hop character and with the saison yeast it worked out so well that we said you know what let's not do this in cask let's do a whole freaking batch of this stuff now we're doing 15 barrel batches of it and people are going crazy for it awesome. um so we get two beers out of one it's great because we've got 30 barrel tanks half the batch will become the funk the other half will be the, the traditional saison so that's where some innovation has worked in our in our favor with playing around with Cascale in a different way, non-traditional way. Right. So on the subject we're talking about of traditional, non-traditional, is there anything new or interesting or experimental that you're planning for 2019 in terms of the beers? We are doing a collaboration. Collaborations are so funny these days because it used to be just breweries. Now we're doing collaborations with coffee roasters, with other businesses, and we're doing a collaboration with a barbershop across the street. Neighborhood Barbershop is a great group of guys. Um, they do a great business across the street from us. And I met the owner, Dustin Foley, at one of the chamber meetings here in Falls Church. We hit it off. He, he was drinking a stout. I said, you know, let's, let's do a collaboration together. And since he likes stouts, we decided to do something that our lead brewer, Matt Ryan, has been itching to do for a long time, which is a Mexican hot chocolate stout 
Oh my god! I yeah. Love that. Wow. <laughs> I've never done this sort of beer before, and so we took a whole approach. We wanted to make it a pretty big beer, but we didn't want to have all that roasty, you know, stout-like bitterness to it. So we tried to make it as much of a sweet stout as possible, about eight percent. And because Dustin, the owner of the barbershop, is vegetarian, he, we didn't want to use lactose. So we didn't put the lactose in. We used the cocoa nibs. We used the cinnamon. We got vanilla bean paste. And Matt had his holiday in Phoenix and brought back all the dried peppers. And it's coming out really well. Yeah. It's still in the fermenter. It's still sitting on the spices and everything. Um, but we're looking to have a release party on the 19th. We've got uh, some speed um, surf music that's going to be played <laughs> nice. by s- the, their band over there across the way. We've got a punk band that's going to come in and play, and we're going to release this beer and just have some fun. Oh, we got we to yeah. try to come back. We definitely down do, for especially that. being a vegan. I appreciate no lactose. Yeah. But um, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I just, I just love Mexican chocolate. Like I just do um, Mexican hot chocolate, it's spicy, spicy yeah. chocolate. It's just such a great yeah. flavor. That actually leads me to a question that I've been wondering because you've got a restaurant to run, you've got the business to run. How much time are you spending like getting your hands into the brewing these days? Very little, oh, unfortunately. Yeah, I bet that I bet that hurts. <laughs> it, it does in a way. Um, although I'm, I'm, you know, moving on in years, the knees aren't what they used to be. Uh, working for 24 years on concrete doesn't do the body much good. Right. Um, but I keep my hand in the brewery in terms of sourcing raw material, coming up with recipe formulation. Um, I still do the taxes and the <laughs> label approval and all the, the stuff that needs to be done, the nitty-gritty of running a brewery. So I'm very much involved in that regard, but uh, less and less the actual uh, slogging malt and, and slinging grain bags that I used to do years ago. Yeah, well, done a lot of it, it in my life. Maybe maybe that's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> the heavy lifting of yeah. the physical work is, gets tough after a while. It really does. Are you having to deal with any of the issues that a lot of the breweries are dealing with with the government shutdown? We, to some degree, are dealing with some of that. Yeah. So the, given that the TTB is closed uh, for, in terms of label approvals, mm-hmm. yes, that affects us. Wow. We haven't got any new labels that we're sitting on currently that we want to sell out of state. Okay. Our loophole in Virginia is that we have Virginia label approval as well. Okay. So Virginia, so long as you're keeping the, the product in the dis- distribution footprint of Virginia and not going across state lines, all our label approvals are done with TTB. And so we have some new products like this Mexican hot chocolate stout right. called Razor Burn that I got approved in Virginia but it's sitting at TTB right now. Right. So any of you folks in D.C. or Maryland that want to try this, I can't send it over there. Yeah. So that's where we're dealing with it. Not as bad as Atlas that had an article and, yep, yep. and uh, some of the other breweries in D.C. and even the breweries in Maryland mm-hmm. uh, because the breweries in Maryland, label approval is through the state, but you have to have TTB label approval. Right. So you can't just have Maryland label approval. The guys in D.C., Abra adheres to TTB, so there's nothing going on in D.C. Yeah, no, it's awful in D.C. what's yeah. happening to them. Hopefully this will all be resolved soon, but it's a, it, I've been using it as an example. Of course, everybody, when you live in D.C., 
all of the people you know in the rest of the country ask you those questions about like the shutdown and is it affecting you? And my response is always, it's affecting the beer. Like that's what it's <laughs> yeah. affecting. Like I know yeah. people who have beer that is coming out of bright tanks that they're they're getting pretty close to getting ready to distribute that they can't distribute. And in DC, yep. it's worse because they can't even sell it in the theoretically. Depends on what lawyer you ask, but they can't even sell it in their tap rooms. Oh, let's not get into the law. Yeah, law no, no, no. But it's, yeah. just, it's, just, it's just a mess. Yeah. It's just a mess. So I know you won a lot of awards for your beer. Um, you had a lot of great beers on tap. This Kolsch um, is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I know it won a gold medal. Kolsch is my baby. It is gorgeous. You know, let me just tell you, working for Capital City Brewing Company, um, their original brewer, a guy by the name of Martin Verga, who opened Capital City in 1992, was Doman School trained. So everything he could do, German, including the brew logs, which we couldn't read or understand, <laughs> everything was in German. Well, everything he brewed was German. But at the time, and we used to call D.C. the Cologne on the um, Potomac back in the day because a lot of breweries were brewing Kolsch in this area. It was because of Capital City. You ask a brewer to brew a light golden ale, this is the perfect answer for it. Right. But everybody in 1995, the first question in a bar was, what's your lightest? And so the Kolsch was the answer. So we sold a ton of it. At that time, you couldn't get the raw materials over from Germany. You know, we had the yeast strain that we imported, but we couldn't get the malts. We couldn't. You could get some of the hops, but raw materials like we have available to us now weren't back in the day yeah. and I can remember some of my friends having brought back some, some coals from Cologne a trip that they took overseas and we sat in their basement I had a keg of my coals and we compared it to the bottles and cans that they brought and I was completely off the mark Wow! and I learned the next day that Vireman malts were available and I completely changed our recipe at Capital City to using 100% German Pils malt and ported German wheat malt and then we changed it all to hops that were just hop pellets from Germany and lightened it up and that's the product that you have there and the recipe hasn't changed much in probably about 20 plus years and wow. so that's been my baby it's a small beer it's a beer with by which a brewer stands naked because there's nowhere to hide mm -mm. Yeah. if there's any flaw in that beer you're going to find it immediately so everywhere I go if I see somebody's got a Kolsch on tap that's the beer I go to and it's because of that well, that's flawless. I gotta say, that yeah. is that is a spectacular, no, it's a, it's an amazing beer, spectacular beer. So I'm sorry, you were asking a question. I just totally went down a, <laughs> well, a that different rabbit hole. The question, actually. Okay. I was going to ask you about, you know, is there any special beer or award for you over the years? And it sounds like the Kolsch is one of the Kolsch is one of them for me, yeah. without a doubt. Uh, I'm known for Kolsch. I'm known for We Heavy. We've gotten a number of awards uh, from the. Great American Beer Festival and from what used to be the Real Ale Festival mm -hmm. in Chicago for the Wee Heavy. So those are two beers and they're on two ends of the spectrum that I'm very proud of. But I'm also proud of our brewery's ability to produce just about anything, you know, yeah. in either a traditional sense or even some of the new products that are coming up. We, you know, we, we did a Brute IPA, very popular in yeah. San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, about six months ago. I did as much research as I could. I came up with every angle, every raw material that I thought was applicable. And we came up with a product that I thought was pretty damn good. And 
I love the fact that we can do stuff like that and just change it up on the dime. That's that's the beauty of being a brew pub brewer. You can just say, hey, this is something I want to do, and work on the recipe, do your research, and come up with a new product that uh, hopefully is going to do well for the customer too. Yeah, and we just had a NEPA that you did as a collaboration, which was also very excellent. Yep, we did that collaboration with Ornery Brewing Company that just opened in, in Fairfax. Um, they haven't got their brewery just yet. It's it's coming on a slow boat from from China. But uh, <laughs> this was a beer that we worked on together, and I'm very happy with the results for Ornery Like a Fox. So you've got the Ornery name in there, the Fox name on it, and I think it represents well. Excellent. Well, it is very good. Well, listen, we really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. I know you're a very, very busy guy and uh, sought after, especially in the community. But, Bill, um, spending time talking to the Brew Daddies uh, has been a real honor for us. And I hope our listeners really enjoyed this. And uh, you didn't hear me do the intro earlier, but uh, I'm taking over as publisher of DCBeer.com. I did hear that. You did hear that, yeah. So we're building a new website, and we're going to modernize it, and we're really, like, reaching out to folks uh, to figure out how we make Mm DCBeer.com really serve the community. So I'm looking forward to talking to you about that in the later date and getting your thoughts on that. And I think the whole community is... uh, Really looking forward to what DCBeer.com, what Mad Fox, and what all the breweries in the areas are going to be doing in 2019 and beyond. So thanks very much for being here. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much. To all our listeners, MadFoxBrewing.com is where you can find out what's going on and what's on tap here at Mad Fox Brewing Company in Falls Church, Virginia. Tell your friends about the Brew Daddies. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Thanks for listening. Remember, always drink great beer.